Hey, welcome to Cornerstone Ministries Young and Old Podcast. We hope this serves as a resource for you as you seek, find, and grow in your walk with Jesus. Tune in for sermon audios from our Young and Old services and other original content. If you already have a home church, we're glad this can be another tool for you. But if not, we hope that you would check us out online at cornerstonelive.net or join us in person. Cornerstone is in Murraysville, PA, and services are Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Our Young Adult Ministry gathers every other Tuesday at 7 p.m. Now join me as I have a conversation with Pastor Chris Deji on pursuing sexual purity. All right. Hey, Pastor Chris, thanks for sitting down with me. I know that this is the first time um, that you and I have been able to do this. and um, But before we kind of jump in, I know especially in, you know, just in life in general, but, you know, specific to high schoolers, you know, young adults, um, just the entire culture around sex and sexuality and sexual sin, sexual trauma, Mm -hmm. super, you know, involved and integrated. But um, just real quick for anybody who's listening, you know, what's your background? How did you kind of land in the role that you're in now? I... You know, I, I was uh, actually a mentor of mine when after I first got saved. He he was actually a he was a pastoral counselor, and uh, you know I was dealing with some stuff in my life and relationships, and uh, you know it it just kind of grew out of my relationship with him, where he said, you know, I think you might want to consider trying this out. I think you might be decent at it. So oh, okay. it just piqued my curiosity, and I started to just you know, poke around and investigate and uh, educate myself, and uh, here we go. Here I am, sitting next to you, Pastor Brandon. <laughs> we're next door neighbors. But how did? Yeah, yeah. Now we're now we're next door neighbors. How? I mean, did you start going through school while you were? Because you were Air Force, right? Yeah, I was in the Air Force. How did, did you start going through school and, and everything while you were still in the Air Force? I I did actually. I started going to graduate school at the Citadel, and uh, okay, I got into the counseling program there and then eventually I transferred to Liberty and that's where I eventually com- completed my degree in, I mean, in that, pastoral counseling. And we have that in common. I remember we talked about that when I came on and Liberty hasn't had the greatest track record as of late but I would still recommend them. <laughs> still, where, and, Yeah, where else do you go? What are yeah, our options nowadays for I, at least evangelicals? There's, yeah, there's a, there's a handful of Christian schools out there but you, it's like a needle in a haystack kind of hunt with some of them but yeah, um, no, anyways, I appreciate, you know, sitting down and being able to chat and stuff. And, and, you know, I've greatly appreciated being neighbors because there's times just for me, like I, I, I'm so grateful of the opportunity I have to, to work with you and some of the other guys because there's so much that I've been able to glean from and learn from. But, you know, for the past few weeks, uh, the young adults, we've been going through this series, uh, Don't Get It Twisted on Relational Truths. And, mm. um, you know, a couple months ago we had Scott Uhlinger on the, on the podcast and he spoke with our young men on uh, just manhood and masculinity and and he and I had a really good conversation Um, and if you haven't listened to that podcast go back and listen to embodying the dichotomy of masculinity and we talked about how there are these kind of these dual natures of of strong and courageous in your faith and then gentle kindness Mm. and when we favor one or the other it kind of can skew things in some weird ways and and then Susan Lowry and I had a good conversation on womanhood and uh, the fact that being meek doesn't necessarily mean weak mm-hmm. and then after a couple of, of large groups um, you know one on 
uh, dating. And then this past week, um, we talked about sex and, and yeah. its role in your life, whether you view it um, as God. And we actually talked about the Greek word porneia, which can be translated as idol. And we looked at Ezekiel 16, the way that God describes Israel, the faithless bride, and he uses this analogy of Israel playing the whore and playing the harlot and how it progresses into this prideful idol worship. So there's this really interesting connection of that Greek word porneia where we get sexual immorality and that become an idol, becoming a god for us. Or we see it as gross, you know, go, you know growing up in that purity culture. You know, if you, if you kind of shamed sexual things in a church setting, but ultimately, how do we land on the reality that sex is ultimately created by God? It is beautiful. It is God-honoring mm-hmm. as long as it's within his framework. But as we get sex twisted, you know, just in your background, Chris, and, and all the conversations you've had, and obviously, you, you know, without breaking confidentiality, sure. you know, why why is sex such a sticking point for for relationships for individuals why why is it such a just such a to, it can be such a toxic thing and is in our culture right you know yeah. what well, it's, it's it it's incredibly complicated all all the aspects that you know sexuality involves really you know from from our, our who we are as individuals how we you know, is, is it part of a relationship? Is it just genital stimulation? Is it part of intimacy or is it all the above? You know, is our spirituality all part of this? The answer is, yeah, it's really complex because there's so many facets to it. And if you just focus on one, you can miss a whole lot of the, the other characteristics that really make it so meaningful. Mm. But it's, I think the reason it's a big deal today, and a lot of it is just environmental. If you look at the culture that we live in, it is hypersexualized. It is oversexualized. It's unbelievable. You can't get away from it. You can't get away from it when you watch no. beer commercials on a football game. Everything is sexualized, and it's it's in our face. When you walk through the mall, when you go go past Victoria's Secret, it's like, my goodness, you got to be kidding me. There's like you know, half-naked women in full-size <laughs> poster size. That stuff never went on 20, 30 years ago when I when I was younger. I, you know, uh, the, the availability to sexual material and, and imagery, and uh, we're just constantly bombarded visually with, you know, uh, sexual stimulation. And so it's really become part of, part of our culture, and it, it's, it's, we're really hypersensitive sensitized to, to sexuality in the West, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so how does that affect a Christian? When this is our culture, this is this is something that's become actually normalized. And mm-hmm. it's something that's sold. And however, in our own personal lives as Christians, it's like how do we how do we negotiate that between what's accepted culturally versus what we know scripturally how, how do we balance those two things out so i think that's that's one big thing we have to deal with yeah me, i what i what i don't understand is i mean in some regards i do get it but another another i don't you know you think about um the end of judges everybody was doing what was right in their own mind and and, mm-hmm. and you know you you hinted at this like sex sells yeah but but 
what's so weird to me is sin doesn't. Like it, no matter no matter how you want to spin it, there's still this like you know rooted in the back of our minds. There's and in some people's it's in some people it's much stronger than others. Absolutely, but there's still a foundational link to some form of morality. And you know we're not going to get into the whole you know subjective objective truth and culture seeing morality of subjective and mm-hmm. obviously it does. But there's clearly some type of baseline. Murdering people is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. But why? But why is sex one of those things that's so widely accepted as being almost outside of that framework of morality now? Because you know, and I think it's interesting. You know, you and I are coming from completely different generational backgrounds yeah. and, and upbringings. You know, but. Yeah, I mean, seeing TV shows and movies growing up with women in their underwear and bikinis and then, you know, if it's PG-13 or, you know, especially R-rated movies, you know, full nudity and that's becoming more and more accepted. It seems like other areas, you know, in a lot of areas, we're continuing to push the the boundaries of of what is moral and what is sin. And, but it seems like in the realm of sex and sexuality, the line is being pushed so much faster than mm. others. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, what's um, what's shaping our morality nowadays? Um, where where do we get the the moral messages and the moral guidelines and boundaries? Where where do they come from anymore? Um, yeah, we we get them from church, but what is the influence of the church? In the culture, you mm-hmm. know, Francis Schaeffer, he said, we, we live in a post-Christian era in America, and I, I think that's true. I think the influence and the impact of the church and its overall um, ability to speak to morality has, has been waning uh, mm. drastically over the years. And so what becomes accepted culturally tends to become what the morality of the day is, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. This is it. And peer pressure... Uh, to conform to cultural standards is gigantic. Mm. Don't you think, Brandon? Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, and and sexuality, that that falls right in there, you know? And so if you want to be accepted by your peers, if you want to be accepted by society, if you want to have so many hits on, you know, Facebook or some of the other social media things, then you got to go with what people think and believe is cool. And sexuality is one of those things. It's, um, it's, the standard has been defined by our culture, not necessarily the standard that's um, represented or upheld in God's word. Mm. And I, I wasn't even necessarily planning on talking about this, so I'm kind of throwing you a, <clears throat> a curveball here. And, and you know, we, we talked for just a moment before we started of, hey, here are some high points of what we want to hit, but obviously we're not planning this out. But I... You know, when you bring that up, as far as you know, Francis Schaeffer, post-Christian world, I agree with you 100. percent And I think, by and large, the Church of America, we've given up way too much ground. But I think that Satan is a genius tactician. Mm. He's not stupid. Yeah. You know, and, and I think sometimes we we downplay this, like 100. percent First John four four, he who is in me is greater than he who is of the world. Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he beat Satan, you know, 11 times out of 10. 
but we get this overconfidence in thinking like, oh, I can pick up when Satan's at work. But then when we look back on situations, I go, wow, how did we get so divided? Oh, man, how did, well, Satan's not stupid. Mm-hmm. He, he knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think one of his brilliant moves as of late in the church is giving the church a magnifying glass. So, for example, the last, I would say, two decades, um, the church by and large has really quieted down on pornography because we have a magnifying glass on LGBTQ culture. And there are these little elements of sexual sin that go unaddressed because we get so hyper-fixated on one portion of it. And the reality is all of it falls under that realm of porneo, that sexual immorality, all of it falls under that. And even though the church has lost authority... Do you think there are some capacities in which the church has dropped the ball? Yeah, I would say that's a fair statement. Um, and um, you know, I, you know, you, we talk about different phases in the church. Or, you know, there was a Victorian age, you know, where and there was some doctrines, you know, in Catholicism where you're, you know, sex is not for pleasure; it's just solely for for reproduction. So. Mm. There's been some narrow, narrow, um, uh, what's the word? Minded thinking. Yeah, narrow-minded yeah. thinking and its approach to sex, and it was like this necessary evil, you know, that, mm, mm, that have, okay. had have tainted, uh, you know, people's view of the church in, in, you know, in terms of sexuality. And so, um, but if you look at the whole counsel of God's word, you know, with the Song of Solomon, you know, that book there, um, the Bible has a lot of really positive things about sexuality, but it places it within context. Mm. Now, what the devil does is he removes the context that God places it within, yeah. and that's what he's very good at doing. Mm. And that's where we get in a lot of trouble, when we forget that context. Mm. And when we deviate from those, godli- those guidelines and those provisions from which God has placed it in, that's when we step out of God's will and that's when we suffer the negative consequences yeah. of, you know, of, of sexuality apart from having biblical standards. And that's the first time I've heard it framed that way. It is Satan does a brilliant job of taking something that is beautiful, it is holy, and he takes it out of context. But that's been his MO since the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, even in how he deceived Eve, he, he simply took something God said out of context. Mm. And he twisted it just subtly. And, and that's kind of been the, the, the theme of this entire series is we have these um, ultimately beautiful things. God created things. Um, you know, even in our previous message, I referenced that if you look at, you know, all types of sin, they're deviations and twistings of something that is ultimately good. So... <clears throat> for uh, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is evil, but you take that, just you twist it just a little bit, you get greed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can very much so you find a scripture, a scriptural basis for self love and confidence, but you put that on steroids and you get pride. And so the way you frame that, I really like is is that Satan takes something that God has created out of context, mm-hmm. and and that's where we get ourselves into trouble. But what's I think where, where there's kind of a, a hope for the church is that as the truth is presented 
and hopefully more and more churches are finding, you know, they're getting away from that Victorian area, Victorian era and, and uh, steering people towards the fact that sex is gross. No, it's not gross. But as we try and course correct, conviction reappears. Mm-hmm. And now we've got, I'd say, you know, for a long time, I think the church has tried. You get programs like Band of Brothers, and, and it's very much so been focused on men in the past. Mm-hmm. But the numbers are going up, right, as far as the amount of women that are dealing with you know, pornography addiction, sex addiction. Is that, am I correct in saying that that is balancing out yeah. more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a, um, not a light at the end of the tunnel, but there's some hope of, okay, conviction is, is returning in this regard. And hopefully the church continues to teach truth in that capacity and that conviction continues to grow. So how can we start to shepherd people? How can we start to care for uh, and yet remain firm as we're trying to, you know, help people find healing from sexual sin and sexual addiction and, and kind of get back into that right relationship with the Lord in that, mm-hmm. in that capacity. Um, well, I think a couple of things that the church can do and, and we can do, you know, just as pastors that speak into people's lives. I think they need to be educated about sexuality, you know, just in a practical light too. You know, what, what, are, what are some of the negative consequences of sex outside of marriage. And some of them are very, very real and they're very practical. There, there's unwanted pregnancies. There's there's kids without fathers in the homes. There's sexually transmitted disease. There's emotional problems that stem from all this stuff. And all these issues that I deal with in the counseling context and, re, you know, in the sexual uh, context, they, they all revolve around stepping outside the boundaries of God's will for our lives sexually. And it's amazing how many people have issues that I talk to. They're out of the biblical context, the biblical framework for how we're to deal with our sexuality. And mm. and a lot of the issues resolve from the negative consequences of, of choosing to act outside of those biblical boundaries. So mm. there's a real practical approach in terms of educational. Um, and then there needs to be the spiritual context in terms of what does sexuality mean in terms of intimacy, in terms of forming relationships? How does that connect me with another person psychologically, spiritually, and, and physically? You know, mm. these, these are huge impacts that uh, sexuality touches, and it, it, it's all those things coming together. And th- those are very deep things and complex that I don't think we can begin to totally dissect ourselves. But God created us t- to connect as individuals on those levels particularly Mm. with you know members of the opposite sex and so what satan does like you just talked about he's very crafty he's 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 able to dissect those things and just focus on one little area of sexuality and typically it's genital pleasure you know Mm. it's like what do i do to get this good feeling yeah and it's devoid of, of of the relational context it's devoid of the spiritual and the emotional and the psychological factors that make it such a powerful thing. Yeah. Um, but as human beings, Brandon, you know we're, we were created with purpose, and part of the main purpose is for us being created is to be able to relate, to connect with other people on deep and intimate levels, you know, with God and, and with our spouses. But we end up settling for much less than that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And the devil's so good at tell us and we can do all this without having all these other factors in place yeah I mean 
something something that we, we talked about previously in the series is that it is not wrong for you to desire intimacy. It's it's hardwired into you. Absolutely. You know, and and it's it's you know, there I remember seeing this video, it was kinda like a, a psychological study and yeah. they had these they put these kids in a in a room and they put a marshmallow in front of them. Right. And then they said, Okay, you can either eat that marshmallow or I'm gonna leave the room. And when I come back, if the marshmallow's still there, I'll give you two more marshmallows. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming majority of the kids waited. Yeah. But there were some that like just couldn't really like I, I want that immediate satisfaction. <laughs> I want this, you know. And something that I not theorized, but something I've thought about is you know, you mentioned that education piece and, and this is an area where I think the church in America has struggled mm-hmm. because we get hyper fixated on one element of sexuality. Yeah. So instead of giving people a full education of the implications of it, right. we're you know, we only give a partial picture and, and that creates confusion. But I mean you think about it, even in schools, it's it's not teaching from a biblical biblical perspective, but kids know Young adults know, like, okay, yeah, I could get pregnant, so I should wear a condom or, um, or be on. Um, oh my gosh, I just lost the word. Um, <laughs> I just entirely birth like, control. Birth pill. control. My yeah. goodness. Right. Um, thank you. But I could get pregnant. You know, I could get a uh, a sexually transmitted infection. I could, you know, all this stuff. But do you think, from a psychological perspective, when we tell somebody, we tell a young person, "Hey, wait for marriage." Do you think that that is, because ultimately that's that's God's design, is mm-hmm. within the, the context of marriage, and we become sexually active at you know, 12, 13, yeah. or, or able, sexually able to be sexually active at 12, 13, and then our culture, at least Christian culture, says, okay, now take those feelings and emotions and push those down for 10 to 20 years. Mm. Yeah. You know, how, how can we go about educating Students, young adults, I mean, because obviously there are some, sadly, but most 12 and 13 year olds aren't sexually active. But as you get into, you know, uh, being an upperclassman in high school, obviously into college, young adult years, that pressure and temptation of sexual activity is is heightened for Mm. sure. How do we communicate to our young people, how do just people in general, the intangibles of hey you're single you don't even necessarily have an image of when you might get married but push down those sexual temptations and wait for something you can't even visualize yet like what what i've always struggled with is how do you teach how do you communicate the intangibles you know you mentioned the the emotional damage and psychological issues that can come along with going outside of God's framework. So mm-hmm. you dig, you, you dig into that a little bit more for me. Well, I, I think um, if we are really aware of our thought life, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in, in a cognitive approach to, to feelings. And it's like whatever, mm. we, whatever we feed ourselves is what grows, okay? And what we tend to starve dies, okay? And I, I'm not, um, um, you know, uh, an extremist in, in, in that realm, but I think in general that's true. And so 
don't deny that we have sexual drives and desires. Some of those, they're, they're perfectly natural. They're biologically driven. They're biologically determined. And they're all part of God's plan that, that we intensely come together and connect on certain levels. And so um, can we amplify that physical drive in our life? Can we, can we make that so powerful in our lives that it seems like uncontrollable? And the answer is yes, that we can. It's by what we think about, what we meditate on, what do we expose ourselves to? Mm. If we're constantly looking at pornographic stuff, if we're constantly, you know, uh, checking out pictures, if we're mentally fantasizing about all this sexual stuff, that feeds that, that one part of you. Okay? Feeds the beast. It is, it feeds the beast. And so, like I said, what you feed grows what you starve dies and so yeah you can control that okay mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be out of control i think it's a perfectly natural desire that we we need to acknowledge that we have but is it is it something that we can control ourselves and the answer is yes okay and we can do it by meditating by thinking on what what is best for me here you know is mm -hmm. it best for me to wait is it is it best for me to you know conform my life and my my behaviors and my thought life according to God's standards that I know are ultimately give me the two marshmallows in the future. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do I have the ability to exercise discipline and self-control? The answer is yeah, and then part of that's the fruit of the Spirit working in your life. Mm. And how do I get that fruit of the Spirit? Well, a lot of times it just comes through, through yielding to the truth of God that I know and acting upon that. Mm. And so... Yeah, we can discipline ourselves. Self-discipline is a part of, uh, of living a godly life. And in our culture today, that's the last thing we want to do is discipline ourselves, control ourselves. We, we're, we're geared towards immediate gratification. Mm. And But are there ways that we can combat that? Yeah, I, I really do. I think there's a big mental approach to that that um, can help us govern our feelings and then once we can control our feelings, we can control our behavior. We mm. don't just have to give in to impulses. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost as if God knew what he was talking about when he, when he, when he inspires the authors of Scripture to talk about meditating on what is pure and what is holy, what is acceptable. Right out of Philippians and, 4. And, and making every thought, taking every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ. And, mm. and I think it's, 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 it's an interesting thought exercise because... You know, this is, it's not necessarily a debate, but it's definitely been a conversation in the church is, are we actually trying to, you know, transform people's minds? You know, Romans, well, too. you know, yeah. or are we simply focused on behavior modification? Yeah. You know, so if, if we wait until a person has already given in, they've, they've, they've fed the beast, mm -hmm. and now we're saying, okay, well, let me, let me modify your physical behavior and then it's become such a battle and such a fight because, well, I'm still feeding the beast, but I don't want to physically, yeah. you know, act on that. Right. Yeah. You know. So much of, the, there's an aspect of sexual sin that's, that's related to our thought life, okay? And it's mm -hmm. called lust in the scriptures, right? So controlling our behavior is one thing. Like, you know, if, uh, if I could wire you up with electrodes and every time you went on this website or you looked at this TV channel, I could shock you yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and change your behavior. But controlling your behavior is one thing, and I'm not saying that's not important, but what we really want to do is change the desire 
for that behavior. Yeah. Okay. And changing our desires is something we, we have a choice in doing. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, mm. you know, that's where our faith comes in. You mentioned Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Now, the patterns of this world in our day and age and our culture, and particularly for, you know, the young adults that you're dealing with, it's like, man, let's look at as hot as we can. Let's be as sexy and, uh, you know, yeah, seductive yeah, 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 as yeah, we yeah. can and yeah. so on and so forth. Well, that, that's totally from the world mindset there. And it's like, wow, can we escape that world mindset anyway? Yeah, we can. We actually can. But it takes a conscious decision of your will to mm-hmm. do it. It takes a conscience that's guided by the Holy Spirit, that's guided by the truth and the Word of God. I mean, there's such a, if you look at, Jesus wasn't real happy with the world, the world system and its world ways of thinking, you know. He, I think that's a fair, that's a fair down, assessment. He came, he came down pretty strong against that. But, you know, a lot of times we, we try to navigate through that and see how close can we get to that without really getting in, you know. Mm. It's like walking along the beach shoreline and not wanting to get your feet wet in the water. That's tough to do, you know. And so we have to make an intentional decision about um, where we are going to align ourselves and who we're going to align ourselves uh, Mm -hmm. intellectually, scripturally, and culturally. And so um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think that's a big key to overcoming the desires and changing behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the, the whole other, you know, nature to this, so to speak, you know, it, I mean, the numerous, countless studies, the addictive nature of sex. So what would you say to the person listening to this and saying, okay, I get it. It starts, you know, my masturbation, pornography, you know, me having sex with my, with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my fiance. Because there's that whole notion of like, well, we're going to get married anyway. So, yeah. you know, like, no, no, that's another, that's another cute little tactic of, of Satan saying, hey, you're, you're just about there. Mm. You're just about there. So it's okay. You're not way outside the boundaries. You're just on the other side. So it's not that bad. No, yeah. sin is sin, period. But, okay, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I got to start with my, my thought life. Mm-hmm. But what do you say to that person who, who's, whose thought life is so wrapped up in this? That there's just this this thought of of I'm too far gone I'm I'm so addicted to this, um, you know what what kind of hope is there What kind of encouragement is there to that person that's just like how do I how do, how can I I fed the beast the beast is so big how how do I even go about starting to starve it mm, You know Yeah No That's a good point um, You know I've I recently read a book and the book. Uh, basically started with let's talk about what's creating the desire where did all this stuff start Mm. and it's like help me understand what is taking place in my life that needs me to to basically numb the pain and a lot of times you know addictive lifestyles are created as a result of of some type of pain in your life that you're Mm. trying to numb and a lot of times with sexuality, it, it can actually be relationship starvation, you know, to where I don't Ooh. know how to connect with people. Oh, yeah. And it starts young. It's like, I never know how to interact with people psychologically, emotionally, or spiritually. But the only way that I can connect or interact that feels good is by physical stimulation. Mm. And so, man, you can just, you can head down that road to where... 
I, I, I don't know how to relate, but and I never get rejected from my computer, my laptop. I never get rejected whenever I touch on the porno website. And there's there's a sense of feeling of control and power, and then there's the sensual part of it too. So, yeah, mm -hmm. diagnosing the root of a lot of this stuff is an important part of coming to the healing. And yeah. and as you say that, it makes a, like it makes a lot of logical sense, but I've never heard it framed that way. But like, are you? <clears throat> I feel like you're getting into the stereotype of of. You know, within counseling of like, are you telling me all of my issues can be traced back to my childhood? <laughs> and, I think a lot of them can. <laughs> yeah. But so, okay, so if, if I'm tracking with you, it is that when we have a lack of ability to build relationships, you know, through a mental connection, emotional connection, a spiritual connection, mm -hmm. we, you know, well, a physical one's easy because it's simply an act. You know, and, and it's it's immediate gratification. Exactly. And and what is so interesting to me is yet even when we have that, we still feel so unsatisfied in our relationships. Mm -hmm. And exactly. And it's it's I remember hearing this guy, you know, Simon Sinek is a is a businessman, kind of entrepreneur, author and and um, I don't know if this guy's a believer or not, but man, it, it, just some of the stuff he, he, he hits on. And, and a few years ago, several years ago, he was talking about some of the issues around the millennial generation. And millennial generation now ranges, you know, from mid, late 20s up to the, you know, 40s. Yeah. Is that relationship building, there's no app for that. Mm. There's no quick, immediate way to build relationship. Right. So... And, and what's so interesting about this is, is I didn't know where this conversation would go, but there's so many kind of arms and, and just, just this spider web. But that's, well, yeah, it's a part of how God has designed us as human beings. Mm -hmm. So you mean to say that like, oh, my sexual sins and sexual addictions and issues are connected to my desire and abilities and nature to build relationships with people? Yeah, they're interconnected. You know, oh, my, my sexual issues is tied into my thought life and whether or not I fix my eyes on Jesus. Yeah, it's all interconnected because it's all wired into relationships. And ultimately, we were yeah. created for relationships with him and relationships with people. Mm -hmm. So I guess <clears throat> I want to hang on to that. Of So where do you think the, the first step is? So let's say, you know, I mean, for me personally, mm -hmm. my... I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old. Um, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a, a parent listening, but say you're starting from scratch, how can I best set up my kid? How can I best set up my uh, somebody I'm discipling for sexual purity? Does it start with the thought life element? Does it start with, hey, here's how you build deep relationship? Like, mm -hmm. where do you think the, the the starting line is on that? Um, well, I, I just remind everybody about the greatest commandment in Scripture. It's, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment. That's what mm. Jesus told us. And if you closely look into that, you'll see there's three relationships that are there. The greatest one is this vertical relationship that we have with God. The next one is our love for our brother. Okay, and the third one is having a, a love for ourselves. 
And a lot of times if I'm dealing with people that's struggling for addictions, I look for the relationship that are, that are broken. Where are they at with God? Where's God in their life? Where are they at with other significant people, parents, brothers, siblings, or whatever, mm -hmm. God's spouses? Where are they at with that? And, and then how do they view themselves? So, you know, I don't give diagnoses in, in, in my office as, as pastor or counselor, but one, one I do give is relationship starvation. Mm. And I often find people that struggle with addiction, they have broken relationships, typically in all three. Their relationship with God, it's broken because they're full of guilt and shame because of what they do. They, they're broken off with other people. They tend to withdraw and isolate themselves because uh, you know they don't feel accepted. They don't feel good about themselves. And as a result, the relationship with themselves is broken. They don't even like themselves because of their sin. So mm. I, I, I just start with relationships, mm. you know, open, honest relationships where we create dialogue, we have hard discussions. And that just seems to open up the door for dealing with some of these issues. Because whenever our relationships are broken, pain is a result of a broken relationship. That's what we experience, right? When you have a fight with your wife, okay? The pain comes from a result of separation. Mm. And, you know, whenever I feel God's angry at me, pain results, you know? Um, when I don't like myself, there's a sense of pain. And we, we have to do something with that pain in our lives. We just can't let it sit there. And a lot of times, instead of, you know, uh, approaching, dealing with that pain relationally, we find substitutes to numb that pain. Mm. And you call it alcohol, drugs, all your isms, basically are pain-numbing things to divert yourself from relational difficulties. So um, that would be my starting point. I mean, it, 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 you, you follow that same train of, like, same logic, same, same train of thinking. The... The, I feel like the go-to response when you have someone trying to break free of sexual sin is accountability and mentorship. So it's, hey, if, if you have stepped into this realm of addiction, well, the first way to, to start getting out of that is, well, I mean, James, confess your sins one to another that your heart may be healed. Mm -hmm. Like, again, God knows what he's talking about. You can't do this alone. Yeah, that's difficult. If I've wired you for relationships and you're choosing not to pursue godly, healthy relationships, you're going to struggle even more. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I believe it's Ecclesiastes. If a, a man is by himself and he falls, you know, how's he supposed to get himself back up? And when he's with two or, three, two or three more, yeah. you know, they pick him back up. And I feel like some of that is where you get the band of brothers and all these different programs for, mm -hmm. you know, for accountability and encouraging different people who are dealing with sexual sin. But... Um, you know, one of my favorite kind of analogies, so to speak, um, when it comes to these things, and I'm curious to see your, your, your take on this, is, is not to count days. You know, think going back to that analogy of feeding the beast, mm -hmm. counting days, I think, is one of the most dangerous things you can do. And what I mean by that is if I'm trying to overcome pornography mm -hmm. or <clears throat> if I'm trying to overcome, you know, being, uh, if I'm trying to be more spiritually pure, sexually pure in my relationship with my girlfriend, with my fiance, you know, my boyfriend. Um, one of the most damaging things you can do is count days because there's only two possible ways that that can go. 
you're either not going to be happy with how many days. So say it's like, okay, I want one day, I want two days, I want three days without looking at porn, and then I look on the fourth day. Mm. I'm either going to become, I'm going to look at that and become so discouraged. Yeah. I'm like, there's no point in trying. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to accumulate a high number of days. Like, hey, me and my girlfriend haven't had sex for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, we're doing good. Yeah. And then there's this confidence that comes in, to, and then that naturally leads to, well, we've earned a cheat day. Mm. And I, I just, I've never seen any benefit to counting days in the realm of, of sexual sin. But I know in NA and AA, they're like, they very much so count days in a sense of, I've been sober for so long. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've always had that mindset of like, don't count days in my mind. And my thought process toward it has been like, Lord, help me to pursue you and, and find sexual purity today. Is it today is the only day I'm, I'm, I'm worried about. So yeah. is there a, is there a, a, a pro or a con to kind of tracking your, your progress, so to speak? Well, you know, obviously there must be, because a lot of recovery programs use that as incentive, as motivation, as, as reward for doing certain things. But I, I think what you and I are getting to, Brandon, is, is not, the behavioral change is one thing, mm. but God really wants a heart change. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so what can we do to change our hearts that don't desire to do that, okay? Um, I, I, that's where I come from. And so what I look for when people come in with this stuff, you know, I don't say, hey, stop doing that. It's a sin. You know, if you keep doing that, you're going to go to hell. If you keep masturbating, you're going to go blind. Okay, I don't, I, I, you know, that went around when I was a kid, you know. It's like, you know, it's scaring people into changing their behavior. Um, yeah, you can do that maybe with, with some some positive effects, I guess. But if the if the goal is a changed heart, if the goal of our ministry is sanctification, is to become more Christ-like in the way what we think, feel, say, and do, then that's where our focus needs to be on the heart issues. And a lot of times when I see people coming in to struggle with addictions, um, I, I look for the relational breaks in their life, and then I look for the where's the pain coming from that's causing the addiction. You see, I, I see the addiction as a symptom. Mm. of the problem. I don't see that as the entire problem itself. Mm. I see it as problematic. Yeah. But what's driving the pain that's leading to the numbing? What's causing the young girl who feels that she needs to have sex to to feel wanted, to feel loved, to feel desired, to build up her self-esteem? So I, I don't know. I, I try to dig a little, little a layer a little deeper than just focusing on behavioral modification and change. Though that's yeah. important. Behavior does matter. God condemns our behavior. Yeah. That's unrighteous. But he also goes deeper than that. He, he, he looks to the issue behind the behavior. Because um, we can do righteous behavior with the wrong motives and still be condemned, can't we? Mm. Yeah. And so mm. it, it's these hard issues that are things that you know pastors are concerned with, along Absolutely. with behavior. But we want things done for the right reasons, for the right motives, and, and we want our motives to be pure before God. And so um, I look for the pain myself. Yeah. Let's speak to that pain. What's driving this? Where did this come from? How can we deal with this in, in a more effective way that brings wholeness to your life mm. instead of bring more guilt and shame that brings more pain that leads us back to the addictive sexual behavior? Yeah. 
And there's something be- like very deep and and theologically rich in that because I think the stigmas are starting to be lifted. You know, the the stigmas around counseling, the stig- stigmas around mental health, they're starting to be lifted. But I mm. definitely think they're still there. Yeah, hundred percent. I still think there's this notion of well, no, I don't. I don't want to go to counseling. I don't want to do this because that is uh, that means I'm messed crazy. up and I'm weak yeah. and I'm crazy. Right. And it's like no, like no, it, that's not that's not what counseling is, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's not what the goal of it is. Excuse me. Um. But uh, so for the person sitting and, and, and thinking, no, I'm I'm just addicted to porn. To porn, I don't have like a hurt. I don't have have a pain. And so well. No, I, I mean, you can take this all the way back to Genesis. Sin comes into the world because of a severed relationship. Or sin causes that severed relationship. So whether you recognize it or not, you are responding in, in grief. You are responding in want and desire to a inhibited relationship with the Lord, with other people, you know, to, to your point with yourself, whatever that might be. And, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. I think there are days, and, and here's what I would hope people would understand, is that healing those relationships, you know, digging into that stuff takes time. Yes. And there are going to be days where 100% we're after heart change, 100%. But there's also going to be days where your heart's not going to be in the right place, and you are going to have to lead your heart by your actions Mm. so in a sense of hey I really want to look at porn and even though I really want to I'm going to have to focus on you know I don't have my heart figured out yet Mm -hmm. I don't have my I don't have my heart figured out yet I don't have the pain that you know rooted out of me yet Um, but this is a moment where I just have to respond in obedience even though my heart's not in the right place yeah I think that that works for moments, but I think to your point, that's not a sustainable model. Like if, if you want to overcome, if you want to overcome your addiction to pornography, you this isn't just going to be a I'm just going to grit my teeth and force myself cold turkey to stop. Like you know, that's not sustainable. Mm. Yeah, the John Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Wayne. I'm a tough guy. No, and, and that's that's where relationships are are so powerful, Brandon. Mm-hmm. That that's it's like I I can be accountable to another person. I want to be open. I want to be honest. I want to be able to share my feelings, you know, with other people because they can strengthen. They can encourage me. Um, I don't want to hide my sin from others and say I'll just deal with this myself because it doesn't work. Mm. You know, we're 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 created at, as as social beings, all right, for interaction, and being part of a church is just one of those uh, mechanisms that can help you be accountable, that can encourage you, that can build you up, that can help reshape your thinking, can help form a Christian conscience, to encourage you to live a, a virtuous life. But mm. um, yeah, that takes time. That that takes growth. But you know, we also have to be realistic. Um, you mentioned Genesis in the fall. When we get saved, our sinful natures didn't go away. Mm. There's still a part of us 
that has a draw to these things that are forbidden mm -hmm. by God. And they don't really go away, you know. Um, I still have a sinful nature. I'm saved. I know where my eternal destiny is. I'm in heaven. But I still have these deeds of the flesh that I can yield to if I want to, yeah. right? And But, you know, the longer I've been walking with God, the wiser I get or whatever, that, that voice, that sinful nature side of me, the the volume just seems to get turned down a little. You were feeding that beast less and less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that volume kind of gets turned down over time. The more that I exercise self-discipline, the more self-control I, I tend to have, the more I yield to God's Word and the truth. And mm. you gave that scenario, I feel like doing this today, but I'm choosing not to. The more you exercise that muscle, the stronger it gets. And the, the less pull the less magnetism that that porn or that alcohol will have towards you because yeah. you're you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh by yielding to the ways of God and utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you to mm -hmm. help you say no to sin and yes to God in his ways and and I think that's the way we can come to freedom mm. now I wish you know that God would just um, I call it poof um, I wish I could just say a prayer for you and poof, you would never have a desire that you, you know, and this pole would be, you would just walk away totally free and gone. Mm. But that doesn't happen a lot. Most of the time, God wants our character developed through exercising our choices daily in ways that are pleasing to Him that causes our faith and our character to grow to become more like Christ. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the, um, you know, the phrase, in the wording that I that I've heard before is which dog wins in a fight, whichever one you feed more. Yeah, you know. Exactly. So yeah, there's there's definitely a, a notion of okay, I fed the the flesh, I fed yeah. the lust so much that I feel like I can't overcome it. And it's like, well, if you just take one day, just take one day, yep. feed the Holy Spirit, don't feed the flesh, yeah. and then you do it again, and right. you do it again, and before you know it, the whole the Holy Spirit dog bigger than the flesh dog and you start to win out mm. more and yeah, more exactly. and more and more and more and that flesh it never goes away right and, and that's what we want our people to know it's like when we got saved there's you know we, we did take on a new nature to a certain degree mm. but our old natures didn't go away and don't feel guilty because you have a sinful nature, you know. It's yeah. like, we all have it, man. So because you feel this draw, it's like, okay, I get it. We've all been there, you know. And it's like, okay, but now we have the power not to give in to that draw every time Satan dangles something in front of our face. Absolutely. You know? We don't have to give in to it. So, yeah, yeah there, there's a battle going on. Mm -hmm. It is. And we let's admit that we have it, you know. And it's like... Um, Oh, that drives me. It drives yeah. me absolutely up a wall, where we we get this this thought process, or we get this attitude that once I've been in church for a while, no, I'm not fighting anymore. Yeah. Not like oh, stop, because it, it like I feel like that attitude it breeds fake, it breeds and it, and it destroys community. Yeah. And then the people who are in a fight, they feel like they're ashamed to say that they're in a fight. No, everybody's in one. Yeah. Who's winning? How long it's taking? How long the battles are lasting? That's gonna look different yeah. for everybody. But the fight never stops. Exactly. And I don't understand why we, we, we take it out of context. Paul says it again and again. The flesh is opposed to the spirit, and he says it in different ways throughout mm -hmm. his his epistles. Right. But he's writing those things in reference to himself, 
after he got saved. That's not the, hey, I'm a persecutor of Christians, yeah. and oh, I, I battled with flesh and spirit. No, post-Jesus, post-him coming to Christ, he's saying, my sin keeps me from doing the things I know I ought to do. Exactly. Like, and then, and then we have this own mindset that is in no way, shape, or form biblical of, well, I'm a veteran Christian. Yeah. So I don't struggle anymore don't struggle. with sin. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It but, but a lot of people have that. They they think that okay, if I'm really a Christian, then I truly won't have these internal struggles. Yeah. And what we're saying is nonsense. And you brought up Paul. He says, I don't understand the things I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't do, I want to do. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's all messed up. And it's like, well, if he had those issues, after having Jesus personally speak to him, <laughs> commission him to be the apostle to the Gentiles, I think it's safe to say that you and I are going to have our daily struggles. I think that's a, fair, that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just want people not to be discouraged because they're in the fight. Because mm. I deal with people all the time. I shouldn't be fighting this. I shouldn't mm. be fighting this. And it's like, oh, you must think that there must be some level of Christianity and spirituality where somehow, some way, your sinful nature just went away and it will never be attractive to you. You will never be drawn to it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to fight this. I, it's like, well, you got an option. You can stop fighting it and just give into it totally and be sucked away. Yeah. It's like, no, guys, we got to fight this. We're in fight. Yeah, I got battles. You got battles. We all got mm. battles, and so it's it's naive to think that someday we they won't exist. Yeah. Well, they won't exist one day when we're out of here. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and that was it. so. That was actually my, my evangelism professor, and um, and when we're we're about to wrap things up here, but my evangelism professor, he was a pastoral counselor um, during my time at Liberty, and he he said this one time to our class. He said he loves to hear the word struggle. When somebody comes into his office, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I'm struggling with this. So that was his favorite word because it told him that yeah. they hadn't given up on the fight. Amen. I was like, ooh. Yeah. So as soon as you give up, you're done. Mm. You're done. It's over. Yeah. Do I wish I didn't have to fight this thing? Well, of course. Yes. You'd be an idiot to say like, oh, I love the fight. I love, I love the, I love feeling like I have no control over myself. Yeah. Like, no, nobody's thinking that way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and not to give a caveat, but acknowledging that we're in a fight doesn't give us permission to, because that same guy who says, I'm in a fight, Paul, also says, so I, shall I keep on sinning so grace may abound? By no means. Mm -hmm. So no, acknowledging that we're in a fight doesn't give us a free pass to say, well, oh, I'm in a fight. So, oh well. Yeah. No, yeah. that doesn't give you the freedom to just give in because that's just kind of a subtle way of, that, that's like, uh, that's throwing the fight. Exactly. You know, that's, that's throwing the fight, uh, pulling your punches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess as, as we wrap up, just to give people kind of a, I guess a, a recap, so to speak, but uh, I, I guess a couple of takeaways is obviously there are some tangible things on the accountability I guess, quote-unquote, behavior modification side of things. There's accountability websites and, and resources. Um, uh, like um, Custodio um, is, a, is a program that monitors websites. Church, XXXChurch.com uh, mm-hmm. is, a, is a resource for accountability for pornography and things like that. But, um, Pastor Chris, if I'm, if I'm summarizing this well, I feel like the, the two um, kind of more 
intangibles in this process is rooting out the, the pain, rooting out the, the source of why have I turned to this. Um, and then as we're journeying through that, we got to start rediscovering how to rebuild relationships because mm. ultimately I've landed on this because of a lack of relationship, whether it's mm. with the Lord, myself, or with people. Right. But if I'm hearing you right, I feel like the two kind of main focuses of, of rebuilding relationships and rooting out the pain. In that process, there's a lot of tangible things as far as accountability and resources sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, do you feel like that's a fair, fair conclusion? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot we can take away from that. Um, something is driving the addiction, and in my opinion, it's pain, just like you summarized. And usually that re- it, pain is a result of relational brokenness with someone, God, something, and ourselves, mm. which, which drives us to the numbing solutions. Yeah, And it may be porn, it may be alcohol, it may be drugs, it may be shopping, it may be work, all your isms yeah, yeah. are ways to numb pain in our life and so mm. I think if we can kind of address the issues of the pain it will help change the behavior but in the meantime you're right are there are there boundaries are there guardrails in life that, that can kind of help us steer us as we move along mm-hmm. uh, I think the answer to that is yes but I think ultimately it's a change of heart that's going to transform absolutely well, Chris, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I hope if you're listening, you've had some takeaways from this and um, and you're going to be able to step back and, and assess some things in your own life and, and see if there's avenues where you can deepen some relationships with people. Um, if uh, if you or, or somebody else is, is, is struggling, you're going to find some ways to come alongside each other and hopefully start that long, grueling process of heart change. Mm. But uh, keep fighting. Stay in, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Thanks for tuning in. For more information on the Young Adult Ministry, follow us on Instagram or you can email youngadults at cornerstonelive.net.